If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. Three, two, one, and we're live. Hey, welcome, welcome. You are listening to the Ray Paris Show here on Blog Talk Radio. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. We have uh, quite a bit to get to and and unpack for you. But going back to going back to last week's podcast where I launched my first show where I was really delving into many of the hot topics from protesting from the White House to to climate change. Today, you know, I want to get into something that I didn't really have the chance to get into. And I want to talk to you guys about myself, who I am, because I think that's kind of important as a host for you to understand my background and my beliefs and my values and what it means to what I am saying. And so I'm going to get into that, but also later on, we're going to get into also topics um, from what, what this show is talking, what we're talking about today, Dr. Death to Dr. Media, how politics meets the gridiron. And we're going to talk about from my fandom, getting into politics and community activism. And then we're also going to, we're also going to go into how Colin Kaepernick almost unites the country. And is this a lesson that can help many causes? And that's what we're going to also get into. And also to... Does all politics do all politics start local? And I'll discuss how to take the politics out of the politics. Also, did you see that a congress a congressman contributes to climate change on a national television? And lastly, does anybody really care about impeachment gate? We'll get into that, but I think most importantly, I want to talk to you guys about myself. So I've, I'm, I'm from here from Sacramento, California, Northern California, and I grew up a, a diehard Oakland Raider fan. When I was a little boy, my father took me to my first Raider game at the Oakland Coliseum, and as a child growing up, I went to Disneyland many times with my late paternal grandparents. And when I went to, the, when I went to my first Raider game, and I saw these different people with regalia, these fans with regalia and face paint and knives on their head, and when I went to cheer for my, Raider, for my Raiders, 55 thousand other fans cheered with me almost startling me and and as a boy that went to Disneyland this Disneyland didn't even compare to my experience at a Raider game and the reason why I bring this up as I grew older I evolved my fandom I evolved my fandom where I be where I started putting on face paint and shoulder pads and knives on my head and I became a staple at Raider games inside as many of you guys are aware of, of the Raider Nation and I took on this moniker, Dr. Death, uh, from a former NFL Raider player, Skip Thomas, who played in the early 70s. And here I am dressing up in face paint and regalia and knives. And as I became a staple and I, and I started getting involved in not just the Raider community but the, Na- but the city of Oakland, I was thrust into a position in 2012 when we, when the Oakland community and the Raider and the Raider fan base found out that our Raiders could possibly be moving first to Los Angeles. And at that time, I was propelled out of the arena of of my sports fandom, and I started campaigning. I started advocating and using my community activism in trying to keep the Raiders in Oakland. 
And by doing that, I had to get out of the face paint, out, out of the knobs and the shoulder pads. And I went to dozens of city council meetings. And what this consisted of is I had to take my community activism and I had to convince and make statements that and craft messages that keeping the Raiders here in a responsible way and building a new stadium, this was bigger than football, that this can help the community, that this is going to transcend a community that desperately needs really to evolve and, and, uh, and become – you know, a, a state-of-the-art city, a state-of-the-art city that we can get out of the shadows of San Francisco, that Oakland is as big, if not bigger, than the San Francisco's, the New York's, and the Chicago's, respectively, all cities who have major teams. And Oakland, we needed to get out of the shadows of San Francisco, not just as a football team, but this includes infrastructure. This includes desperately needed tax revenue. This includes things that you can't measure, like like uh, like your community pride. And here in Sacramento, where I live, where, this, where the Kings, here in Sacramento, we're not a major market, meaning we're under a million people. The media market isn't that big. And also, too, we, we don't have major corporations like we do in San Francisco and New York. But what happened was is we had community organizations like Crown Downtown, which was a grassroots organization, a, a fan grassroots organization that worked with – Kevin Johnson, who's a former NBA star, mayor of, mayor of Sacramento, and they worked with their politicians, the council members, to build a responsible arena to keep the Kings here in Sacramento, even though Sacramento isn't a major metropolis. I can tell you firsthand how much an arena, which served as an anchor tenant, to all the other development that brings in new housing and restaurants and jobs and tax revenue, how much better my my city of Sacramento is from 10 years ago. Now, as the arena saga here with the national with the NBA here in Sacramento was unfolding, it was somewhat helping me to understand what we can do the same in Oakland. And as I went to dozens of council meetings, I used my platforms such as here on Block Talk Radio when I used to talk about sports. I used my Twitter accounts, my Facebook accounts, and I was able to target an audience that maybe I wouldn't have been able to, to target pre-social media age. And what I mean by that is I used my following. I, I grew my following to about almost 12,000 followers on all my social media accounts and growing. And we did a crowd a crowdfund where we raised about $4,000 in less than 48 hours. And it said, and we created these signs. We created about 25,000 signs that said, stay in Oakland. And we handed these out on a primetime game. And because in doing so, my activism and getting involved in the politics and going to NFL owner meetings and meeting with all these variables that were instrumental in trying to keep a team in Oakland and, and really be – and try to influence a $2 billion project, I started to gain notoriety and recognition on the national level. After crowdsourcing about $4,000 to create these, these signs – that said stay in Oakland, and we passed them out all over the stadium, and we created four by eight major banners. I was recognized by the cover of Sports Illustrated. I actually made the cover of Sports Illustrated. Let me. Uh, so I made the cover of Sports Illustrated. I, I needed to get it. And it reads Football in America, the state of the union, like our politics, it's complicated. And the reason why I bring this up is making the cover of Sports Illustrated and being involved in the community as a community activist, this created a passion, it riled a passion in me that I can craft a message that can influence 
other people that can influence a community. And I could make a difference, and not only could I make a difference, I didn't do this by myself. I did this with many other people, whether they're the Raider fans or they're non-Raider fans, and they don't even like football because this was an idea that's going to make other lives better, not just the football fans. And soon after this, I also graduated college from Sacramento State with my degree in communications, and I, and I stepped into the realm of public relations where I worked in Oakland for two years. And public relations, that's where it taught me where if you can craft the right message, you can make a difference. And you can change how people are seen. You can change how messages are seen. And I worked with hospitals and real estates and insurances. And that's when I knew I can take my passion of community activism and wanting to make a difference, wanting to make a change, and really combine it with, with, my, pod, with my podcasting abilities. Well, that's up to the eye of the beholder if you even think I'm good. But that's besides the point. Being able to take my experience in podcasting and social media – and taking my experience in working in public relations and community activism, that I can take that and even take it a step further and dive into the realm of politics. So that's what leads us to where we're at now, is I want to use this podcast to not, to not only just have a conversation, but really maybe change minds. And change minds, that's me included. And I, and I say it like this, right? Whether you're talking sports, football, baseball, basketball, and you make the claim, look, this is the best pitcher, the best quarterback of all time. But then somebody comes back and says, not really, because I have a better quarterback with a better stat and better winning record. And you're going to say, okay, right, they're better. And I lead this to taking this back to in politics, which we're going to be talking a lot about current events. If there's something that I support, and I'm and I am very passionate about it, but there's new studies that say otherwise. I'm going to have to evolve my stance, evolve my views, and change. And that's how it's always been. And and that, you, the listener, look, think back 20 years, think back 15 years, or even five years. How have your views changed? How have they transcended? How have they transcended over time? And that's what I'm here to have. I'm here to have an open, robust debate and take my passions from from the arena of football or the gridiron and use my background in media strategy and public relations and transcend them and evolve them into the world of politics, in the world of public relations and public affairs, and have a conversation here. Yes, we are going to talk about controversial issues. Yes, we're going to talk about politics. Yes, we're going to talk about all kinds of things, but I'm really hoping that you'd be that you're that you are willing to hear me out. That you're willing to agree with me, you're willing to disagree with me, and most importantly, you're willing to even call on the show and say, look, this is my view. I think you missed it, or I really like what you have to say. I'll also give you the guest call-in number, 516-387-1820, 516-387-1820, unless you just want to listen to the rest of the show. But I just want to tell you guys a little bit about who I am and who I was you know, as Dr. Death, an Oakland Raider fan who was inducted into the Pro Football Ultimate Fan Association and being recognized for my community activism. And I dealt with a lot of charities from Mothers Against Drunk Driving, Breast Cancer Awareness, No Kid Hungry, the Ronald McDonald House. And it was quite fun being able to tap into my passion and work with mayors like Mayor Gene Kwan and Mayor Libby Schaff. And remember during my graduation day, Libby Schaff tweeted at me, hey, congratulations on graduating. And I really appreciate that. I, and it was, it was really interesting to me to speak and, and really rally and advocate and lobby council members that, that represented different districts because building and advocating for a multi-billion dollar project being a stadium 
it affected each di- each district respectfully. Now, during this fandom and during this time and trying to keep the Raiders in Oakland, it also kind of went to a national level where when the Raiders attempted to go to Los Angeles in 2016 to relocate there, the Raiders owner, Mark Davis, his endeavors changed to Las Vegas, and that's where the politics and the policies and the – and what required to move changed, and it went from what were the dynamics to move to Los Angeles to how the dynamics drastically changed going to Las Vegas. It was an untapped market. No other team had played. No other team had played in the National Football League had ever played in Las Vegas. There was gambling, and most importantly, in Las Vegas, what they were offering to lure the Raiders was $750 million worth of public funds. That means taxpayer subsidy, and I rallied heavily against that. That was one of my main shticks on social media that I did several interviews over, and that's where I gained notoriety is where over my messaging. No, we should not give billionaires a $750 million handout. I was very much against it, and of course the messaging with that was the tourists were going to pay for it, meaning when tourists stayed at hotels in Las Vegas, they were, the tourists, not the local constituents, would be paying the tax that would end up, being, that would end up paying for a new Raider stadium. But my thing was is any tax revenue that goes that the, that the city collects, whether you're selling lemonade, whether you're selling rooms, whether you're selling hot dogs, whether you're taxing property, whether you're taxing ticket stubs, any form of revenue that comes into the taxpayer, no matter how it comes in, that's the taxpayer subsidy. At the same time, at the same time, Las Vegas was ranked one of the was ranked dead last in the country in terms of education. And I've had this conversation with other people before where they said, Ray, you don't even live in Las Vegas. You live in Sacramento, so what do you care? Well, my response to that, and again, I still have my fandom hat on, and this is where I tell you where sports and politics collide, and they bleed into each other. My response to them was, I'm Catholic, practicing Catholic, go to church every Sunday, or at least I try to. That's like me saying, well… I know there's abuse in the Catholic Church in Massachusetts. It doesn't affect me none. No. The, how, how, how dense do I sound? How, how, cra- how crappy does that make me look? Why is it any difference if it's abuse of money when, we're, when there's education and teachers that need – or excuse me, when there's teachers that need to be paid? There's teachers that are being laid off. When there's more money that can be poured into education, in an education system that ranks dead last in the country. And again, I'm taking my values, I'm taking my principles, I'm taking my passion and my communications, and I'm crafting a narrative in something that actually – that kind of doesn't have to do with sports, but indirectly it does. And at that time, I vowed – actually, five years prior to that, I vowed not to follow the Raiders if they decided to abandon Oakland, and that's exactly what I did. I ended up – I did a goodbye message the day after the Raiders were granted approval by the 31 other teams to relocate, and it got about 20,000 views. And I said, "Look, I'm I'm following this team. Yes, a fan. Yes, as a fan, I made the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yes, as a fan, I made ESPN magazine. Yes, I was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And yes, I was willing to give all of that up because of injustices in terms of politics and things that would have represented me if I continued to support that. And I wanted nothing to do with that." So I had to transcend myself and divert my passion into other things, and that's where I'm at today. I, my passion is politics, passion is affairs, and I want to 
want to be able to craft messages and change how people think, and people can be helped in terms of their messaging. That's exactly what I am. If you have any questions, feel free to call in 516-387-1820. You can also follow me on Twitter at It's Ray Paris on Twitter, I-T-S-R-A-Y-P-E-R-E. We're going to go to break really quick. Don't go anywhere. You guys are listening to The Ray Paris Show here on Blog Talk Radio. We're going to talk about how did Colin Kaepernick almost unite the country, and is there a lesson to be had? And also, later on, all politics start local, how to take politics out of the politics. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Colin Kaepernick had a workout 
scheduled at an NFL facility, which is probably one of the best facilities because it's by the National Football League. It's a it's a it's an it's a facility by an NFL team, and he decided that he instead was going to go to a high school. Now, going forward, the session, according to ESPN, allowed Kaepernick an on-field workout, an interview, which would both be taped and made available to all teams. Moreover, the workout was set up to provide teams anonymity, so if they watched Kaepernick and didn't want him, they wouldn't, they wouldn't catch flack. This was done to encourage more teams to attend the event, thus helping the quarterback secure a position, and that's completely right. Because let's just say, let's just say the, the Jets, the, the New York Jets, who already have a starting quarterback in Sam Darnold, who they recently just beat the Raiders 34-3 to over the weekend. So they have a second-year, first or second-year quarterback. And let's say we, they need a backup quarterback to Sam Darnold, and they wanted it to go look at Colin Kaepernick because it's a similar style to Sam Darnold. So if because the NFL is a barbaric sport and their quarterback goes down, maybe they have somebody who has experience and they don't have to alter the playbook because their styles are the same. But they go out, they watch Kaepernick, and he's decent. But the more that they talk to him, the more that they see him work out, they say, you know, I don't think so because – I don't think he quite fits our system. Now, anybody can spin that PR in any in any single tweet. The Jets can catch flack with, "Oh, you didn't sign Kaepernick because you just decided you didn't you didn't like his views." And that's one of the reasons why they did this anonymity because this is a polarized topic. Now, con- and continuing, uh, so Kaepernick attended his own workout. 60 miles south out of high school, in a Kunta Kinte t-shirt, comparing himself to the defiant slave from the movie Roots. Now, I really don't want to get into the weeds of this and how much I disagree with Kaepernick or how much you may agree, but are you really a slave working out for a court to be a quarterback in the National Football League where you can make millions of dollars? I look, Okay, let's go forward. There was another excuse from the Kaepernick camp that was that was widely reported, especially by ESPN more specifically, that the Kaepernick camp – there was a, the excuse from Kaepernick's camp that the NFL forced Colin to sign a liability waiver, which is a normal liability waiver because if he gets hurt in the, in this, in the course of this, they don't want the NFL to be sued. According to the National Football League, the waiver Kaepernick threw a fit over was a, stand, was a quote, standard liability waiver based on the waiver used by national in, in, in invitational camps at all NFL combines and by the NFL clubs when trying out free agents, close quote. Also, furthermore, Colin Kaepernick didn't inform them of his request to have his own personal camera crew attend the event until Friday. This is what I mean. Okay, and I, I think I think we are well beyond three years removed from should he be able to kneel? Should he stand? We're beyond that. I think we can all agree. Look, he has the right to kneel. He does. He has the right. You, if you disagree with him, you have the right to say he should stand. He looks like a jackass. He's ineffective. He's alienating the people he should be working with. All that's true. We're not here to argue that. But the point that needs to be made, and I'm starting to see this across even people who are in his camp, people who are known to be more liberal and say he should be able to do what he wants, and people who are, you know, who want to protest against police brutality. 
We're starting to see more of them and even more conservatives who have said from the get-go he needs to stand up. We're starting to see more and more of at some point you need to put aside the protest and put on some progress. At some point, protest needs to end, and we need to start working on progress. This is not progress. Stephen A. Smith, who's well-known for, who's well-known for his – Passionate discussions and debates and his hot takes on ESPN says, quote, Colin Kaepernick doesn't want to play. He wants to be a martyr, close quote. That was one of his sentences in a 60-second video that Stephen A. Smith made on his Twitter account, on his Twitter that he tweeted out, criticizing Colin Kaepernick. Now, not just Stephen A. Smith. Jay-Z, who's really prominent, and recently he, he was known for holding a discussion on race relations in the National Football League. He was brought on by Roger Goodell. Jay-Z told Sports Illustrated that he was disappointed in Colin's actions. He turned out, he turned out a workout into a, into a publicity stunt. And that's completely true because now if you do this publicity stunt and you're saying, nope, I don't want this, you are going to come follow me. Who says that? Would you ever say that to any of your employers if you're desperately looking for a job? Would you ever tell an, an employer, this is on my terms, this is how we're going to do it? And a, a, a report by ABC10 here in Sacramento says no interest in Kaepernick by NFL teams after workout. Seven teams attended the workout down south after it was moved to a new location. But Collins, but Collins representatives reported, reportedly sent the tape of him working out to other 25 teams. So after the 20 – because there's 32 teams in the NFL. 25 of them went to the Georgia facility, the NFL facility. After he moved – Seven teams followed him. After those seven teams followed him, there was no interest from any of them, not even as a third-string quarterback or a second-string quarterback. And there's quite a bit of quarterbacks that are playing right now that shouldn't be on an NFL roster, but they are. But you want to know why they are? It's because they don't bring, they don't, they don't bring this polarization with them. They don't bring any of this. They're just there to make money because the, the truth of the matter, the NFL is about three things. The first one is football, the second one is football, and the third one is football. They're in their, they are in the entertainment business. They don't want to bring more, uh, more adversity or anything that's going to take away from their football operation. He had the chance. This was Colin Kaepernick's time to say, look, I got my message out there. Many, many people know what I believe in, and I'm going to put on this workout. I'm going to throw to these receivers. And show the NFL what they've been missing out for the last three years, and I'm going to prove a point. But he didn't. One of Colin Kaepernick's griping points was he wanted his receiver. Uh, I'm sorry. When you go to a team like, oh, I don't know, the Raiders, whose who's starting quarterback was just benched over the weekend, you don't get to choose your receivers. Those receivers are already there. NFL teams want to know how you are as a quarterback, no matter who you have as your receivers. But the, the thing is, is should you be able to kneel? Yes. You are free to do as you, as you please. Yes. You want, to, you want to look like a jerk to some? Who cares? But the question is, is, how do you improve America? Just remember, guys, he was benched before the kneeling. He was benched for Blaine Gabbert, and Blaine Gabbert isn't even that good. Is Blaine Gabbert even in the league anymore? For the last three years, Kaepernick was the poster child of this culture war. People thought that he was a culture war martyr, and fine, but at some point, you need to shed the protest, and this goes for anything. This is where I'm saying I think we've seen a lot of unification with people on the left and the right and the center that says, yes, of course, 
there's issues with police brutality and immigration and what have you. But at some point, and I just throw in immigration just to say any, any topic, any topic, at some point, we got to have progress. And he has to be more – Colin Kaepernick has to be more than just a culture, a, a culture war, a culture hero of the culture war. So I'm going to go to break really quick. When we come back, we're going to talk about how do politics start local, how to take the politics out of politics, and uh, tell you a couple of um, – I'm going to tell you about some of my experiences about speaking with local politicians from mayors to, uh, Cong- to, um, pe- to people who are running for Congress. And then later on in the did you see that, did you see a, uh, did you see a, <clears throat> a politician who – Contributed to, to to climate change live on air, and also does anybody care about impeachment gate? Don't go nowhere, guys. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Ray Parrish Show. talking about all kinds of stuff about who I am, where I come from. That was earlier in my first segment, my last segment. We were just talking about how Colin Kaepernick needs to go from protest to progress. And my next segment is, is I really want to talk about how to take politics out of the politics. And the reason why I bring this up is, as I mentioned earlier, I am in public relations, media relations, more so public affairs, and my passion is politics. And one of the other things that I really enjoy doing is, is I really enjoy speaking with politicians or people running for office in my local community. And whether I, you know, whether you're, it's for mayor, whether it's for a, a council seat, or you're running for Congress. And I've had the opportunity to speak with a couple of people, and one of them was Ben Emard, B E N E M A R D. He's running for the sixth for the sixth congressional district, and he is going to be taking on Doris Matsui. And I had an opportunity to speak with Ben at an outing. I was at a friend's outing um, at a bar, and. He was introduced, and he found out that I was in public affairs, and he wanted to know how I could help him in terms of his, his messaging, what's important to him, what he can do better. And the first thing I asked him is I said, Ben, what are the top three things that, that are most important to you? The first thing he said is the Green New Deal, meaning – well, excuse me. Excuse me. Let, me. let me go back. Let me go back. The first thing that he said was climate change taking down Donald Trump, and universal health care. And I said to Ben, Ben, you are in my district. I'm just going to tell you as a voter, the moment you say that at any town hall or I ask you or you make a pitch to me or you send me flyers in the mail with any of what you just said, I'm throwing it away in the garbage. 
and I'm just being brutally honest. And I said, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because I had to explain to him why. This isn't just a Republican. This isn't just a Democrat thing. As I said earlier in my podcast today or earlier in the segment, as I, I, I made an example right in sports, I love sports, right? If I'm saying that a team or a player is the best ever and somebody says, actually, that's not true because the facts don't make your point. Someone has more wins. Someone has more Super Bowls. Someone has more MVPs. They've accomplished more. And then I have to say, okay, yeah, you're right. And I have to make a different argument. So I bring this up because I said, okay, climate change. And I brought up a study from Forbes that says the United States leads the world in decreased global emissions. And everything that Ben would like to do would literally cripple our economy and 6 million people would be out of jobs. And what he's asking for is really drastic, and this is a bipartisan consensus. Mainly, I cited the Brookings Institute and the Heritage Foundation. Some are center-right, and one is center-left. And I was literally trying to take the politics out of the politics. Second, universal, universal health care. And I cited this as well. And the reason, yes, we're at a bar. Yes, I'm citing this because obviously I do podcasts. I'm a news junkie. So I had it saved on my phone at hand. I know the regular person isn't going to have, isn't going to bring up these studies. But the reason why I have these studies is because here, doing this podcast, I had to do a lot of research. I had to do a lot of research because I may have listeners who disagree with me. Maybe somebody likes the Green New Deal or likes universal health care. For me to have this conversation with you, I have to do the research. And maybe my mind may change. And so going back to – so I brought this up, and this is what I said to him. Mark Joffe at the California Policy Center says single-payer bill could bankrupt California. I brought up another one. Jake Novak at MSNBC writes, Democrat single-payer health care dream just became a nightmare. And the reason why I bring these up is I told him, you need to take the politics out of the politics. And with Trump – and we're going to get to this later on – and brought up impeaching Trump. And I said, look, I get it. You're running for Congress, and you want to impeach Trump, and you, want the, you are in favor of the Green New Deal, and you want universal health care. But I just, cited two, I just cited a couple of things that really just on the surface, studies show that single-payer could bankrupt California, and the Green New Deal can cost a lot more jobs and will be overly expensive. And I said – I told him, you need to tackle issues that are more local – that are less partisan, and that can affect people specifically. And I, like I said, how are you going to take care of the homeless problem? How are we going to help the housing crisis? How are you going to deregulate housing where it's easier for developers to build housing? And he had an assistant with him, and his, his, his assistant said, what about agriculture? I said, exactly. I said, I said, Ben, your area is Yolo County where I live. There's a lot of farming in here. And I'm speaking, obviously, I'm speaking off the top of my head. There's no research. But just for the time being, being in that instance, I said, let's say you wanted to invest in more agriculture and invest into farming in places like YOLO so that we have more local produce and it'll drive produce down and groceries down locally. And even if you can do it on a national level, you got me there. I like that. Now, in terms of, you know, if you want to help in, in climate change, 
What are the little things that you can do? Because the, the, because here's 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 the truth. Here's the truth about the Green New Deal, or excuse me, here's the here's the truth about climate change. There isn't anything that is proposed at this moment that is going to address climate change right now. There just isn't. Over time, technology will advance, and anything that you propose will be around the edge. Well, we'll you're just trimming around the hedges. Does, does he want to plant more trees? Fine. There's been studies that have there has been studies that have shown that some cities are painting their streets white because the sunlight reflects off the streets and goes back into the air and it cools the area more. Fine. Do you want how are you going to tackle homelessness? How are you going to tackle the drug issue? How are you going to address infrastructure? These are all nonpartisan for the most part at least on a bumper sticker that isn't going to be polarizing. And if you look at, I mean, and look, I, taking, taking a look at Doris Matsui, clean energy, economy, economy and jobs, the environment, gun violence, immigration, seniors, healthcare, innovation, flood protection, education. Yeah, these are really, for the most part, nonpartisan issues just on the front, just by reading those. Compared to Benny Mard's universal health care, Green New Deal, criminal justice reform, okay, you okay, Emma, I get it. Reproductive rights. I hope he doesn't I hope he doesn't plan on getting any of these evangelical liberals or blue dog Democrats, because that's what I told him. You want to pull as like you're never going to change the minds of people on the far left or the far right. But how can you cultivate somebody or voters who are more left of center, right of center? Also, too, I had the opportunity to uh, to speak with uh, um, uh, someone who ran for mayor in San Francisco, Ellen Lee Zhao, and I had first followed her on Twitter. And the, one of her main one of her main things that she was running on is she wanted to address the homeless issue. And I said, okay, let me go follow her. Let me see what she's about. And when I went there, her messaging just ruined exactly what she wanted, and one of her messaging says is that she wants to bring in the federal government and have almost a military takeover on how to address the homeless. She is make, she's putting the politics back into the politics. Maybe she and, – and I told her, and I spoke to her about this. I said, you need to find a way to how you can yourself use your policies – to address the homeless issue. Instead of putting money into safe injection sites, should you put more money into places where people can get clean? Can you put ordinances where you cannot sleep on the sidewalk? Because when is it uncompassionate or since excuse me, when is it compassionate to allow the homeless sleep on the streets? And sleep in feces and drugs and needles. When is it compassionate to be okay with handing out needles when children are walking to school and having to step over feces and needles? I really specifically say that because at this time I'm going to invoke my own experience. I'm an Uber driver in San Francisco. Every day when I drive through the Tenderloin, I see children, six, seven, eight years old, having to step over needles just to get to school. In the in 
in Los Angeles, the LA Times reports that there are medieval diseases that have been spreading around the city because of the homeless issue and feces and drugs. How do you tackle that? That is something that is local. What are what is Ben Imar, who's running for Congress? How is what is he going to do to combat the wildfire? Is he going to address the, the the forest problem? And that's as you as a voter, what issues is that politician running on that it's going to affect your life tomorrow? And that goes for any politician. And that's what that's what I want to talk about here on my podcast, or even being in public relations, public affairs. When I have clients, I always ask, how do you take the national politics out of the politics and make it local? So the next time you go vote, look at look at what your politicians stand for. I want to go to break really quick before we end. Um, I'm going to go to uh, the, did you see that a politician uh, a, a politician <clears throat> um, excuse me uh, a, a politician gets involved or contributes excuse me contributes to to climate change. And lastly, does anybody care uh, does anybody care about impeachment gain? Don't go anywhere guys, you're listening to the Ray Paris podcast. All right, guys. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. This is the this is Ray Parrish. You're listening to the Ray Parrish Show. So I want to get into Did You See That? Over the last weekend, we had Eric Swalwell, former former presidential candidate, did an interview on MSNBC, and I want to show you how he contributed to, to climate change. Play the tape. Contradicted that the president used taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help him cheat an election. And the complaint that I've heard from... <laughs> I'm sorry. I just thought that that was hilarious. And look, this is when I first found out about it, right? I turn on my, tw- I get on the Twitter, and first I see someone tweet about farting, and I'm like, oh god, like why am I saying this? And at one point I couldn't, I, I just couldn't get away from it because it was the third, the fourth, the fifth tweet, and by the time I went to see what was trending, farting was tr- trending. I think Twittergate at one point was was trending. And when I turned it on, it was Eric Swalwell who that was live on air who he just laid a big one. He just laid it. And it's funny because the moment he farted, you see him make the face like, "All right, I got to let it go." And you got to think like, you didn't feel that coming before you went on air. And the worst part about it, he denied it. Come on, man. Own it. You could have broke the ICS, of course. You're talking about impeachment gate. It was something serious. I mean, you could have broken the ice. You could have owned it. You know, how, how funny would that have been 
had people said, hey, you farted. That was super funny. But now what's funny is when you type in Eric Swalwell, he's not going to be – or when you type in Eric Swalwell in a Google, probably, what are you probably going to see? You're not going to see any piece of legislation that he, that he is supporting. You're going to see Fartgate, Eric Swalwell. And i got to be honest with you. When I fart, I'm going to think, damn, was that as good as Eric's? I just thought that was funny. In our history, I don't think we've ever seen that or heard that. I mean, let's plug this in, right? Just for fun. Imagine if that happened to Bill Clinton during the during the Lewis, during the Monica Lewinsky ordeal, and he said, "I did not have sexual relations with that woman," and he laid one. How different a fart would make. Now, lastly, going into the impeachment gate, you know, I really want to ask: Does anybody care? There, there's a new poll by CBS News finds that polls find poll finds negative views of Democrats and Trump's handling of impeachment inquiry. Congressional Democrats and Republicans each appear to face a challenge moving public opinion on impeachment as public hearings begin, since many Americans say their views are already locked in. There's been essentially no change in the number of who feel President Trump deserves to be impeached since last month, and how the public expresses dissatisfaction with the approaches of both congressional Democrats and the president thus far. Now, earlier in the previous segment, I was telling you about Ben Emard and how I was telling you how one of the things that was most important to him running for Congress was taking down Trump. It was it was climate change. It was it was Medicare. It was universal health care, and it, it was climate change, universal health care, and taking down Donald Trump. Now, this goes to prove, and I said to him, a lot of people aren't going to care. People either want him impeached or don't want him impeached. But this says more about you and the Democratic Party than it does President Trump. Everybody knows he's a jerk. Everybody knows he's a jackass and he's abrasive and whether you like him or not. There's nobody there's not changing anybody's mind. But the most important thing that I was telling Ben that if I am his competitor, if I'm his adversary, the first thing I would say is you want to take down Donald Trump with eleven months to go till the general election. Why don't you just let why don't you just wait till we go to the general election? You don't want to go to that because you know you don't want to leave up. You don't want to leave it up to the general election because you don't think that the candidates that you have right now are good enough to take him down. So that's why you're doing this now. You want to get rid of you – wanted, you wanted to impeach Donald Trump the, since the first day he got elected, and it hasn't been working. And you, continue, and you continue to do this for with, what, 10 to 11 months left. That means you don't – the Democrat Party doesn't have – Enough, or they're scared they don't have enough to take him down, so they want to take him down this way. That's what I would say if I was his competitor. Then I would say you're so worried about working nationally, but that you're out of touch with what's really what's what's really happening in suburban America, where what he represents here in West Sacramento, where I live, Roseville, Rio Linda. Yeah, I know those are outside of Sacramento. If you're listening and you're not here from Sacramento, you don't know where Citrus Heights is or Rio Linda is. And it seems that Ben doesn't care either because he's so worried about national politics that he's not really focusing on what matters most to the people here. And that's kind of what the national the, what the national polls are finding. People are already locked in. There's nothing different that swaying their views. They've had over a week of testimony. I, I mean, outside of CNN playing at the airports, does anybody really watch it? If you look on your Facebook timeline, I have like one or two people, one or two people talking about it. 
you go back to what circa 1998 during the Clinton media during during the Clinton era, even though social media wasn't around, impeachment was everywhere. Here it's not, and I got to tell you, this is this is going to hurt somebody, and I don't think it's going to hurt Trump. Um, lastly, there's one thing that really broke over the weekend before we end. Unfortunately, this is some 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 sad news at first. I'm glad it got better. Uh, Chief uh, Chief Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg was hospitalized over the weekend. I know she's been facing a lot of health issues, and I, I really wish her the best. I wish her the speediest recovery. I specifically say that because I really hope that she can stay health, healthy through 2020. I really want her to. I very I disagree with everything she says. But I want her to be healthy because what I don't want is for unforeseen circumstances, I don't want her to step down. I don't want her position to be open for natural causes. Let's say she passes away. I don't want that to happen because what will end up happening is Donald Trump, between now and the election, he will and Republicans will cram down a Republican candidate to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg and will try to get that passed leading up to 2020. All hell will break loose, and you will see a culture war you have never seen before. I, I really hope and I pray that Ruth Bader Ginsburg can stay healthy and be coherent. And if she wants to step down after 2020, so be it. That's her prerogative. But I really hope she stays healthy through 2020, just, just for the future of our culture war. And I want less culture war, and I'd rather have more discourse. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys listening in. I really appreciate it. Feel free to email me at itsrayparis, I-T-S-R-A-Y-P-E-R-E-Z, at gmail.com. You can tweet me at itsrayparis at gmail.com, or excuse me, tweet me at itsrayparis on Twitter. And I'd love to hear from you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is The Ray Paris Show. I am Ray Paris. Have a good one.